How many of you have ever played the game of Twister? Raise your hand. If you're at home, raise your hand. I see that. It's an interesting game. Piece of plastic you unfold and it's got four different color of dots all intermixed on this plastic mat. It's not a very sanitary game because everybody who's playing gets on the mat at the same time and keeps reaching around and over. It's not COVID friendly at all. <laughs> but the interesting part is whatever the dial, the spinner goes to in that color, everyone is to find one of those dots and place an appendage on it. A foot, a knee, an elbow, a hand, a head, whatever you can get onto it while still making contact with the other colors that you've already been told. The reason it's called Twister is you put four people on that mat. Some of us, four of us wouldn't fit, but you put four people on that mat and they start reaching in and around and they get all twisted up. They get tangled and if you need personal space, don't ever play that game. That game is an awful lot like our relationships. We end up having to have our hand in all kinds of things, trying to keep touch and contact with different people. And sometimes it gets kind of tangled up. Sometimes we get in each other's way. Sometimes we're not happy because the other person is in our way. We're not doing it the way they should, which means our way. Relationships are matter. We were created to be in relationship. Starting with God our Father, Christ our Savior. But also with each other. We were not created nor designed to be isolated. We were designed to be in relationships. And we started looking last week at the fact that God cares about your relationships. We looked at 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, because love must be the foundation. Not just love by Hollywood standards, not just love by Broadway standards, not just love by romance novel standards, not just love by the dictionary definition, but love by the definition of Christ. Unconditional, all-consuming, self-sacrificing. The Greek word is agape, love. Not casual, not passionless, but all in. This morning, we're going to throw something else into this mix. We're going to throw the fact that love is still the foundation, but it must be intertwined with forgiveness. It needs to all get twisted in there. If you have your Bibles or your Bible on your devices, I invite you to turn one place in the Old Testament, one place in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. In the New Testament, it's Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. And we're taking a look at what this really means and to understand how important our relationships are and how much God cares for our relationships. 
because love and forgiveness are intertwined in any positive relationship. Let me say it again. Love and forgiveness are present and intertwined in any positive relationship. If the relationship is no longer positive, more than likely one of those two is not working in that relationship. Colossians chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all else, put on love, what, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. I added a verse because I should have had it listed in the first place. To be thankful and to make sure that in our relationships with love and forgiveness, that's where the peace comes in, if it's the peace of Christ. And then Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, guard your hearts above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your hearts Above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Several translations say life springs from it. We protect the heart. It's a big deal. It's a big deal in our relationships. So is forgiveness and the power of it. So if love and forgiveness are intertwined, if we're going to have positive relationships, then therefore... One, our hearts must be full. Full of love, of kindness, of humility, of meekness, of patience. Does that sound kind of like 1 Corinthians 13? <laughs> when it said love is all of those things. These were listed in there as well. It matters and our heart must be full to overflowing of these things. Verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now don't skip. We don't, this is not the focus this morning, but don't skip over the fact that when it says we are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, meaning living above our natural self. If we're going to live holy, we're not going to do it on our own. That's through the power of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of him in us. We can't be holy <laughs> on our own. It never works that way. And he says we've been chosen. This is those who have accepted Christ. Everyone has been chosen for forgiveness because Christ gave that to all. But we have to accept it. We have to receive it. We have to believe it. We have to live it on our own. But 
if in doing that, we are then going to have relationships that are as they should be, as they're designed to be, our hearts must be full of love because love is the greatest of all. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13 says, of these three, faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. Our hearts must be full of love. The interesting thing is if your heart is full of love, it's pretty hard to be resentful because there's not room. If our hearts are full of love, then bitterness can't take root. Not possible. There's not room for it. And if our hearts are full of love, it's so much easier to be kind. When we moved to town almost two years ago now, I noticed those signs. I believe it was a church in town that started that campaign. They were stuck in yards all over the place. And I think it was a result of all the COVID stuff going on where it said, be kind. That's a pretty powerful statement. One that as followers of Jesus Christ, we should certainly be. In fact, the scripture says that our hearts should be full of kindness. And if our heart is full of love and full of kindness, then we are going to be kind to one another. Didn't say we agree with each other, but we can still be kind to one another. Humility, meekness. Meekness, not as in being a doormat, being walked on, giving up all of our rights and our strength, but meekness as in putting the other person first, which certainly takes patience. Not going to live that way, not going to have a heart full of self-sacrificing, all-encompassing love, and not be patient. In other words, our hearts need to be full of this so that our desire is to do what's best for the relationship. Before we make decisions, asking that question, what's best for this relationship? Don't start with, what do I prefer? What's best for this relationship? What would happen in your closest relationships if every decision was preceded by the question, what's best for this relationship? How different would that relationship be? Now, it's easy, and some of you are doing it right now, so stop it, to immediately go, yeah, they need to think of that. <laughs> they probably do. But I'm talking to you. Because you see, if you will think that way, if you will act that way, they might. Is it a guarantee? No. Some people aren't going to. Scripture tells us to live at peace with all men as far as it depends on you. Do your part. We don't get to control their reactions, their actions. But I have noticed that our action influences and impacts their actions. We need to desire what is best for the relationship. There are marriages that could be saved if they would just start that principle. Secondly, if love and forgiveness are intertwined in positive relationships, then we must forgive 
verse 13 says, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, some others have it worded a little differently, other translations, but it says, if you have a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. You only have to forgive those Jesus forgives. Nobody else. And you only need to forgive as Jesus forgives. You don't have to do any more than that. That's enough. It was enough to save the world. It's enough to impact your relationships. To show and exercise and express forgiveness. To do that requires bearing with each other. That's an interesting phrase, to bear with each other. The first thing that comes to mind is gritting your teeth and putting up with them. Right? Right? <laughs> Don't point. <laughs> there is a part of that in any relationship that lasts. There is some putting up with. And we have a tendency, selfishly, to think we have to put up with more than they do. I have said this on occasion in counseling couples. Be careful how much you criticize the fault of your spouse, because it might be that very fault that kept them from getting somebody better than you. I don't do a lot of counseling, as you can tell. <laughs> Bearing with one another is not just about gritting our teeth. It is about understanding this relationship matters. They matter. It doesn't mean not saying anything when something is wrong. It means bearing with them, continuing, enduring, not always in a negative way. Because let's consider how much they have to bear with you. To forgive requires bearing with each other. This scripture also tells us it requires recognizing Christ's forgiveness. Notice what it said. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Which means you have to recognize how he has forgiven you. That he has done that. I said it last week. I probably said it the week before that and the week before that. But we have to understand how Christ forgave on the cross after being beaten, lied about, tricked, all kinds of things. He said, Father, forgive them, meaning all of them and all of us. We have to recognize Christ's forgiveness, what it is, what he's done, who it is for, including ourselves. To recognize that kind of forgiveness is powerful in itself. And if that doesn't humble you, nothing will. To just realize how much he's forgiven me. And you. We've got to recognize Christ's forgiveness. And then it means we are to forgive like Christ. 
I love recognizing how much he's forgiven me. I don't always love forgiving like he does. Because, after all, oh, I have my rights. We could talking so much, if we quit talking so much about our rights and start talking about forgiving, we'd solve a lot of problems. We've got to recognize his forgiveness and then forgive like him. Is that easy? Not on your life. It's tough. But you don't have to do it on your own. Remember verse 12? Chosen, holy, and beloved. Not in our own strength, but in his. Not in our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's provided for us. We don't even have to do it on our own. But we must do it. We have to choose that. Christ provides the strength for it. He provides the example for it. He gives us the outline and the blueprint for it throughout his word and with his life. Because love and forgiveness are all twisted together and intertwined if we're going to have positive relationships. Which means we absolutely, positively must wrap All of our relationships in love. Verse 14 says, And above all these, put on love, which binds, holds, wraps everything together in perfect harmony. Because the greatest of these is love. It's easier to forgive if I love It's virtually impossible to forgive if you don't. So love is the foundation. It's also the structure. It's also what holds the relationships together. And that kind of love that we're speaking of is unconditional, self-sacrificing, Christ-like love. Unconditional. Do you understand the power of that word? Without conditions. It is not, I will forgive and I will love if. It takes the if out of there. I will love and I will forgive. Now, we don't have time this morning to get into all of this. But forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. I can forgive and still have reservations. I can love and still be cautious. But I must love if I'm going to forgive. And I've been commanded to forgive, so I must love. And my forgiveness is to follow the example of Christ who forgave even those who beat him and put him on the cross to die. His forgiveness included those who ran away. You go back and read in the Gospels the account of the crucifixion. And it says about the believers who were watching From a distance. Wow. I'm finding a lot of people trying to do that today. They're trying to follow Christ just from a distance.
if we're going to follow, we must recognize his love, his forgiveness, and then we need to live like that. That's our goal. That's our, our thing that we are striving for. Is that easy? No. Aren't we perfect at it? No. Is it possible? Yes. Will we mess up? You bet. But just because I might mess up doesn't give me an excuse to mess up. I see a lot of people who are saying, well, after all, we're human. That's true. But Christ in us can change my natural desires filled with his Holy Spirit so that his desires become my desires. And the closer I get to him, the more I'm seeking him and his will, the more I have trouble finding the difference between his will and mine. Not because I've convinced him of my will, but because I've begun to follow his will. That's my goal. That's my prayer for you. Is that you recognize his will and are following that. Stumbling sometimes. But he'll pick you up. Just like the woman who reached out and touched the hem of his garment, he turns around and calls us daughter and son. We don't have to do this on our own because we can't. And here's the other part. We were created for relationship, which means community, which also means that we should be helping one another in this area. One, by living it out the best of the ability God gives us and his supernatural ability in us and also not just living in front of others but reaching out and helping because we know what it's like to stumble don't we we know what it's like to skin the knee we know what it's like to mess up a relationship we know what it's like to be misunderstood in a relationship Satan tries to tell you that it's unique what you're going through. Satan tries to convince you nobody understands. First of all, Christ does. Secondly, somebody else does too. And if we're in relationship and in community, we're able to find that. But that's not going to happen on our own. We've got to be rubbing up against each other. We've got to be elbow to elbow with one another, living this out. And for any of this to happen, we must take care of our hearts. Proverbs 3, excuse me, Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. For everything springs out of it. Guard your heart. Not walling it off. But knowing what the word says. That's one of the ways you guard your heart. Being in right relationship with Christ. Is one of the ways you guard your heart. Being in community with others. Who are trying to follow Christ also. Is part of how you guard your heart. Being around others. Who are trying to do the same thing. Who are praying for you who are watching out for you. That's another way that you guard your heart. 
first guard what goes in, it matters. Where is your time? What are you listening to, watching, or reading? Those things matter. We can get in the habit. One of the things that I really had to overcome when I came to Christ was my mouth. (laughs) Probably no surprise to anyone. But it was because of my language. I didn't realize how ingrained in me it had become until a few weeks after accepting Christ. I was working in a warehouse and I I was walking through to go get an order. I knew that I stocked the whole stinking warehouse. I knew where everything was. I could close my eyes and get there. And I was walking to get this one item and I made two steps down the wrong aisle realized I had done it, turned to go down the right aisle, and I heard these words bouncing off the walls of the warehouse. And I was like, man, who said that? I realized I was the only one in the warehouse at that moment. It had become so ingrained in me. What had become regular in my heart was what was coming out of it. A year later, working in a factory and being around some language, not because it was a factory, it was who I was around. It happens all over the place. I found that I was struggling with it again because of what I was hearing. Guard what comes in because it will help determine what goes out. We also need to guard the condition of our heart. That's why we spent four weeks looking at the fact that God cares about our mental and emotional health. He cares about that. It matters. We need to guard the condition of our heart when we're hurting. We need to figure out some way, not just in pouring it out to God, but finding someone else that we may be able to share it with or at least ask them to be praying for the condition of our heart because it's breaking, it's hurting or whatever it might be. Guard the condition of your heart. Be in his word so you're seeing and hearing the positive things. What you should hear and see. Guard the condition of your heart. We, we should pay a whole lot more attention when people are absent. Not because of the numbers, but because of the conditions that might be there. There may be a very natural explanation. It, People should take vacation. People are sick at times, etc. But we should pay attention and let people know they've been missed because you don't know what they might be going through and what their heart might be struggling with. And just knowing that somebody else noticed, cared, that I wasn't there can bring them back or at minimum encourage them because somebody else cares. And last, guard what comes out of your heart. Not just your words, but your attitude. Ding, ding, ding. That's worth saying again. Guard what comes out, not just the words, but your attitude as well. It matters. 
for our relationships, the love and forgiveness. We have to guard our heart, the condition of it, what goes in, what comes out. So let me ask you, what's the condition of your heart right now, this day? How would you describe it? How would Jesus describe it? How would those you're closest to describe the condition of your heart this morning? Not just that. Let me ask, what's your heart full of? See, what it's full of is what will come out, especially under stress. Let me ask the tougher question, how do you forgive? I don't mean the definition, I mean literally, how do you forgive? Do you? Is it frequent? Is it normal? And then... Do you have any relationships that you know sitting here right now need attention? If so, what are you going to do? Give it to him. Confess it. Pray about it. Begin to change some of these things with your love and forgiveness, with the condition of your heart, with making sure you're not isolating yourself, seeking help when appropriate. What are you going to do this morning? Let's pray. Lord, I've prayed this week that you would move way beyond anything my words have said. Speak directly to hearts, to exactly what's needed in that heart. Bring to mind names and faces of any relationships that need some special attention. Lord, bring to our attention if the condition of our heart is not what it should be. Or bring to our attention if there's forgiveness that needs to be given that we've been holding back on. Lord, I pray that as you do that, that each one of us, myself included, would pay attention and then do what you show us to do. Guide us this week in our relationships. I believe, Father, if we'll do that, we'll see changed lives, changed homes, and the beginning of revival. So, Lord, I pray this for each of us individually as well as all of us collectively. Thank you for caring about our relationships. Thank you for showing us how to live in our relationships, how to forgive, how to love, how to make a difference right where we are. So Lord, as we go from here today, may we go in the knowledge of your love and forgiveness. May we go in the knowledge that we are not in this alone. There are others around us. And may we go determined 
to make changes that you've shown us. I pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.